a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Let's get right into the word. Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 21, 1 through 11. If you would stand, I'm going to read from the NIV. The words will be on the screen as well. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. you have it, say amen. If you're following along your favorite version, when you have it, say amen. New Testament, Matthew chapter 21. Amen. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to their page on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a coat, the fold of a donkey. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Let the church say Hosanna. Hosanna. In the highest heaven. Verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to build my uh, subject or title or topic on verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? I want to preach just a few minutes from this thought. Here comes the real king. Here comes the real king. Who is this? That church say, Jesus, the king of kings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just another opportunity to preach your word to your people. God, I pray that you would use me in a mighty way to declare what you have given me to share with your people. God, may you, may you, may they see all of you and none of me. May they hear all of you and none of me. So hide me behind your cross and give me a fresh anointing to share what you have given me to share. And God, as a result of your word, I pray that we will all be edified. We will all be encouraged. I pray that our, our thinking will be transformed. And God, I pray that we will be better because of your word. Because of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that rests in this place on today. Use me now in a mighty way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may see it. Here comes the real king. There's an author by the name of Robert Weber. He has noted that we shouldn't only see Palm Sunday as referring to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. He goes on to say, it is, it is our own entry 
Meaning that we have a, a stake in this as well. He says, it is our own entry into the most solemn yet the most glorious experience of spirituality. For Jesus, Palm Sunday was his gateway to the culminating events of his earthly life. And as for us, as we enter that gate, we're entering it with Jesus in a spiritual manner. We're entering that gate. Our spiritual lives are being ordered into the most sacred moments of the history of the world and of our own experience with the meaning of human existence. Goes on to say, Palm Sunday is the beginning of the most sacred week in the church calendar. We know that Lent is coming to a close, and the church, as we embark on this week, we're walking the same path that Jesus walked, spiritually to go God. But we won't stay there, y'all. And the reason why we won't stay there is because Jesus didn't stay there either. He didn't stay on the cross. Amen? And so, so our theology doesn't stop at Golgotha or Calvary, as it's called, the place of the soul, as it's called, because Jesus didn't stay there either. He rose up on that third day, as we say, all power in his hand. Amen? And so I like to say this is the beginning of the end. It is the end of Jesus' earthly ministry this week. But if I could flip that, I would say it's, it's only the beginning of it for us. All right. he, he, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. All right. So it, 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 it was the beginning of the end for him, but it was the beginning of greater things for us. Amen. Amen. So as we look at Matthew chapter 21, he presents us with this, this, this last week of Jesus' life, what we commonly call Passion Week of Holy Life. We know for the better part of three years, Jesus has preached, he has taught, he has healed, he has cast out demons, he has fed hungry souls, he fed the 5,000. And now here he is doing Passover week, what we call this Passover week, he was entering into this holy city. And these verses we're looking at today, this is what we, this is what we normally call the triumphal entry. The, the entry of the triumphant king into the city. The Jewish, the Jewish hope is that the king Jesus will establish himself in Jerusalem. That he will provide promises of his kingdom of Israel to Israel and he will vanquish their foes. The truth is Jesus' kingdom is, is about much more than that. It's about much more than vanquishing their foes or whoever they perceive the enemies are. It's, it's about much more than that. The truth is, as it was during the time of Passover, over two million Jewish, Jewish inhabitants of this land made the annual, annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for a feast and a celebration. One can speculate that this was the most excellent moment for the Jewish, I'm sorry, for the Messiah to make himself known to so many of his people at one time. And so there is a symbolic focus of sacrifice for Jesus. And then he will go on to present himself as the ultimate sacrifice, if you will. Now, Matthew records some 41 prophetic quotes from the Old Testament, which goes on to confirm Jesus as the Messiah. That's, that's pretty significant for us, I believe, because the Jewish people, the Israelites, they had seen some counterfeits come through. They had seen some people that uh, professed to be the Messiah, 
They had seen some people that considered themselves conquerors of the land. They, they had seen some people that considered themselves warriors attempting to overthrow the ruling government. But now they get to see Jesus. And, and in the midst of all these counterfeits or these bootlegs that have come through, they have, they have become familiar with all these parades that came through the city. But they did not see anybody come through like Jesus. They didn't expect a humble entrance of a king riding on a donkey. That was, that was a symbol of quietness, humility, and goodwill. This was cause for celebration for them, y'all. And so that's why they gave him a, a king's welcome, if you will, with this coat and this donkey. They, they placed garments on the donkey's back. They had a pathway of palm leaves and shouts of praise which rang throughout the streets. They gave him a king's welcome, a, a massive parade, the, the greatest parade you can ever think of. This is the parade they gave Jesus. We see multitudes of people gathered in the city, and everybody turns their attention to the King Jesus. This is what sets the stage for Jesus' final days on the earth. He, he knew, Jesus knew this was the end of his earthly life, but it was also the beginning of his eternal reign. Jesus was regarded as an agitator because he when he came, he upset the norms and the, and the cultures of the established religious order. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. He, he, he represents newness. He represents something different. He, he went against the uh, traditional customs, amen? And any, anytime you go against the grain, anytime you push back against things that have already been set in place, anytime you step outside of the box, you're bound to make the establishment turn against you. Amen? Amen. And so the, the religious leaders were hostile against Jesus because he represented that newness that brought freedom and liberty to the people. He, he represented, he brought freedom and liberty from the yoke of religious law. He, he, he brought salvation to save the sinner from the stain of sin. Amen. That's why, he, that's why he met so much resistance and pushback. He wasn't what they were. Amen. That's why we come in here and celebrate every Sunday. It's not just confined to Palm Sunday. We celebrate everyone because this is good every week. Amen. Amen. The good, the good news about Palm Sunday is it reminds us that God designed a king for all of humanity. Yes. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. He, he designed a king for all of humanity. If, if I could bring it a little bit closer, he, he designed a king for you yeah. and I. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's good news, y'all. Yeah. God designed, he tailor-made a king, a savior, yeah. just for you. So we see in Matthew 21, verse 5, it reminds us of this prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9. Say to God of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus designed a king, I'm sorry, God designed a king just for you. Amen. A few things we all celebrate about King Jesus, he is a divine king, y'all. Yes, 
Jesus is divine. He is divine because we see the glory of God and the divinity of God even in Jesus. Amen. In his very own son, we see the same attributes in Jesus that we see in God. Jesus is, Jesus is the incarnation. God in human form. And he, he's so divine, he, he even divine or ordained a donkey and a cult to bring him into the town. Amen. He, he ordained this donkey, this cult, for his own purpose. So he is a divine king. Jesus says, if anyone asks, tell them the Lord needs him. But he, he's also not only a divine king, he is the prophesied king. We see all through Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Savior. Amen. So he is the prophesied king. He is the righteous king. He is the righteous king. In, in this world, we have kings, we have queens, we have presidents, we have governors, we have mayors, we have prime ministers, but Jesus is the righteous king. Amen. He's the righteous king because he's not like other kings. He, he stands above all kings. That's what I love about him. He's, he stands above all kings, even the best of kings. Amen. So he is the righteous king, the, the sovereign king. But not only that, he is our savior. He is our savior king. Amen. He is the savior king because he is salvation and he brings salvation. This is why the crowds are crying, Hosanna. Which means save now. Amen. Amen. He is the Savior King. Paul says in Romans 10 and 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Y'all, Jesus is our Savior, our salvation King. And I love Romans 10, 13. It goes on to say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you glad about it that he's your Savior? this morning. Amen. But then also in Psalm 118 it goes on to say, save us we pray. Oh Lord, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this is the real king. He's not like all the other kings. If I can keep going, he is a gentle king. I, I, you know what I love about Jesus? He's not arrogant. He's gentle and meek. Amen. He's not, he's not mean. He's not uh, arrogant. He's not puffed up, if you will. He is a gentle king and savior. Amen? Yeah. Oftentimes when we think about a king, we think about somebody who is rough, rugged, mean, and arrogant, but not King Jesus. Not King Jesus. He's not concerned about all of the reverence and fear. He's not, being, he's not concerned being dressed in ornamental attire. He's not really concerned about being surrounded with all of the splendor and, and pageantry as well. The thing about Jesus, he's concerned about our souls. Amen. He's concerned about our souls. He's gentle because he's, he's not concerned about all of the other stuff. He's concerned about our souls. He's not concerned with riches and massive wealth. He's concerned about your soul and my soul. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? He's the gentle king. 
And in this passage, y'all, if we look at this passage, we can see he's surrounded by regular people. Surrounded, surrounded by regular people, lowly Galileans or Jerusalemites. And he, he, he's coming in a city not with riches. He, he's not coming in majesty, but he's coming in meekness. He's coming, he's coming humble and mounted on a donkey. On a donkey, amen? But again, he's also a peaceful king. Jesus is peace, y'all. Jesus comes bringing a message of peace. Peace between man and God and peace between man and man. Amen? Yeah. And as we are, when we become reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to one another in Jesus Christ. This is, this is different from what the people had expected. They expected a ruler to come wielding his power to overthrow Israel's oppressors. But the king God was seeing didn't come wielding political power. He came bringing spiritual peace. Yeah. That's, that's why Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophecy there says he is the prince of peace. Yeah. He came bringing a message of peace. Not about political power, not about position, but peace. But Jesus, what I love about him also, he is compassionate. He's compassionate, y'all. Yes, he is. And, and the reason why we call him compassionate because he gave his own life to save sinners like you and me. Amen. That, I would call that compassion at its finest. Compassion at its finest. Here we have Jesus. He's coming into the city filled with people who want to kill him. But he is compassionate. Luke 19 verse 41 says he wept over the city as he approached it. Think about this for a second. Jesus weeping for sinners, he came to save. The crowd, the people that, the same people that are going to ask, who is this? They're going to cry just a few days later, the same Hebrew, they're going to cry a few days later, crucify him. He's weeping over the same people he came to save. Amen. And so what can we take from this text today? This is, a, this is a Palm Sunday passage. This is a, a Palm Sunday message. What can we think about or take away from this text today? Right. And when I think about the fact that Jesus laid his life on the line for me yes. and for you, it means several things for me. Number one, it means unhindered obedience. Yes. Unhindered obedience. The summertime says, here is or here comes the real king. And if I can push that, when Jesus is your king, you will be obedient to him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to point at you in just a second. But I want you to know nothing should hinder our obedience to Jesus. We see that in the text by way of the disciples. As they approached Jerusalem, came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go. The church said, go. Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, he will send them right away. But then verse 6 says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. So if Jesus is our king, if we profess or confess that he is our king, if he is our king, we should 
we should return that to him with unhindered yes. obedience. Amen. He entered Jerusalem as king the same way he comes into our lives as savior and king. He, he issued the command. He was looking for simple, unhindered obedience. But here's the problem, though, y'all. This was a very unusual ask of Jesus. I'm sure it's odd for the disciples to, to go to this village, request a coat or a donkey. This is kind of strange. Uh, untie it and bring it back for Jesus. I'm sure that was a strange uh, out-of-the-pocket kind of request of Jesus. Jesus even, he even foresees opposition. He says, if anyone says anything to you, tell them Jesus needs them. How would you respond to that? Somebody, Jesus says, go here and do that. But Jesus, you never asked me to do something strange like this before. Even, even in opposition, y'all, Jesus expects his disciples to follow his words. Yes. Even in opposition, even when it doesn't make sense. Sure. Right. There, there, there's sometimes going to be questioning of action by others. We, well, sometimes we get disobedient because we, we, we don't want to face the questioning that other people are going to ask us. Yeah. We don't want to deal with the potential for ridicule. Sometimes you get laughed at when you're serving God. We talked about it this morning. It's not always, God doesn't always give us appealing assignments. So they face the potential for ridicule, questioning. But all of that, y'all, it should not hinder our obedience to God. And that, that's what drives us or so many other people to disobedience, ridicule questioning by others, not truly understanding what God wants from us. But we see here the disciples, they display unhindered obedience in a seemingly weird situation. But they went on, they obeyed, and they were met without hindrance. They were met without opposition. They were met without ridicule. Amen. On this Palm Sunday, God just wants our obedience. Amen. And so what we, should, what, we should, what we should take from this is uh, we should simply obey Jesus no matter what. Yes, yes. Jesus asked us to do something very odd. He asked them to do something very odd, but it was all, you got to think about this, it is all to fulfill God's plan. Amen. Yes. Amen. We, we, when, we are, when we are called to do things for Jesus Christ that don't make sense from our perspective, we got to trust God anyway. Amen. Amen. So number one, we see in here unhindered obedience. But here's another thing that applies to us in this text. Unhindered worship. Unhindered worship. Here comes the real king. When Jesus is your king, I want to suggest to you that it will show in your worship. It will show in your worship. There is... There is unhindered sacrificial worship in this text. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their coats on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. While others cut the branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes 
in the name of the Lord, and Hosanna in the highest heaven. We see worship in action right here, y'all. Yes. And it is a matter of, of sacrificial worship, if you will. You got people shouting blessings, uh, blessings and, and Old Testament phrases of praise to God. You got some waving palm branches and placing them on the road. You got people removing their coats and spreading them under the coats' hooves. You, you got people giving whatever they can to help usher in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is unhindered sacrificial worship. Amen. Yeah. Uh, they, they rolled out the red carpet for Jesus. This is what I would consider the greatest parade you have ever heard of. Uh, this, this is more than watching some folks roll down Main Street. Amen. This is bigger than Macy's Christmas Day parade. And so when we, when we think about Jesus, it ought to cause a stir and a worship. Amen. Whenever Jesus is mentioned, whenever, whenever the Holy Spirit is in the room, it ought to cause a stir and unhindered yes. worship. Amen. Yes. And I want to suggest to you on this Palm Sunday, whenever there is an opportunity to praise God, yes. we should always have worship on our lips. We should always have worship on our lips. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the church. All right. It can be out the street at Walmart. It can be down the street at Wawa. You can be across the street standing under the water tower. You can worship. It all always be a praise of God on our lips. Amen. What we see here, the people worshiping God outside of the establishment, outside of the uh, official structure. Amen. And so we see unhindered sacrificial worship. We should always be in a position. To render praise and worship to the Lord. We see the people here, they show their submission to Jesus. Taking off their coats. Whatever they had. Sacrificing their very own clothing to show honor to Jesus. Amen. In other words, nothing was too personal to give up for Jesus. They shouted, Hosanna. Which means, save us now, Lord. But here's the last thing we see in this text. We see spontaneous witness. Unhindered obedience. Unhindered or sacrificial worship. But then we also see spontaneous witness. When Jesus is your king, here's what I mean. When Jesus is your king, you should always have an answer ready to tell somebody about who Jesus is. I love that, y'all. Spontaneous witness. Always ready to answer about who Jesus is. And as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should always be ready to tell somebody about Jesus. I love verse 10. That's why I built my argument from when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this. But then verse 11, the crowds answered, this is Jesus. Spontaneous witness. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Y'all, Jesus coming to the city causing a, a stir. Everybody heard about it. 
The people want to know who, who is this causing this ruckus? Yeah, yeah. Who, who is this dude that's got everybody going crazy? But they were already ready with a detailed answer. This is Jesus. We ought to have a spontaneous uh, witness, y'all. When somebody asks you, who's the God you serve? I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I serve the risen King. Amen. In other words, the, the people know his name. Amen. The name that is above all names. They know they call him a prophet. Jesus has spoken truth to power. He, he has caused the Pharisees and the synagogue leaders to consider their ways. Yes. But even in Jerusalem, yes. they have heard of this man from Galilee. Yes. They even know where he's from. Yes. What can you tell me about Jesus? Amen. Yes. And we see in this text, we ought, to, we ought to be able to tell others who at a moment's notice who Jesus is and, and tell them what he's done for you. Amen. And so I'm going to push on y'all. Here comes the real king. This Passion Week, this Palm Sunday, let us fix our focus on the king. Amen. But, but also let's focus on what makes him the king. And what makes him the king is he is the king that God himself has designed for us. And, and we should we should celebrate everything about who King Jesus is. Amen. He didn't have to come into the city like this. He didn't have to come into the city riding on a donkey and a colt. He didn't have to have this kind of reception, this kind of parade. But it was all part of the thing. So we could see the kind of king Jesus is. Amen. We we should be glad today. That God designed a savior, a king for all of us. Amen. Here comes the real king on this, on this Palm Sunday as we press forward to Resurrection Sunday. We ought to live our lives like we serve the real king. Amen. Because, because he is the king of kings. Amen. I'm done, y'all. And so since he is the king of kings, we should... We should always give unhindered yes. obedience. Amen. Yes. We, we should always be ready with unhindered sacrificial worship. Amen. Yes. And just because he's been so good to us, has he been good to you? If, if he's been so good to you, your witness ought to be spontaneous yes. for him. Amen. This, this is why we worship. This is why we come into this place week after week. Amen? We worship because this king gave his life for us. Amen? This king, church, say this king. This king, he's the king that gave his life for us. Amen? This is the king that Isaiah prophesied about. He is despised and rejected by men. Amen? This king, y'all, he's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Amen. As he did, as it were, our faces with him, he was despised. Yes, he was. And we did not esteem him. Amen. This king, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, and yet we have esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This king, this king, he was wounded for our transgressions. Amen. This king, 
for our iniquities, amen. This king will chastise our peace among him. This king, by his stripes, we are healed. By his king, his stripes, we are healed. This is the king that God has given a name above every name. Amen. And that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This king, it was his blood that set us free. Amen. This king, this is the king that came down from 40 and two generations to save and rest like you and me. Amen. This is the king they home on that old rugged cross. Amen. This king that placed a crown of thorns on his head. Amen. This king they hold him high. Amen. This king they stretch him wide. This king they pierced him in his side. But the good news is this king, he came down from the cross. Amen. And he laid in the grave. This king, he saved their all night Friday. This king, he saved their all night Saturday. This king, early the next morning. Early the next morning. This king, and look with all power in his hand. This king, and look with all power in his hand. And, and because of this Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website 
lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.